I'm Jason. And I'm Gary. We're the uh, Portland Timbers. We talk a lot about uh, beer, soccer, and pretty much whatever else we want. Pretty much. How you doing, buddy? Oh, fantastic. I might be uh, sounding a little bit different today. Usually Gary's on this mic. Yes. And uh, we've switched mics on you. We did. Did the old switcheroo. Switch, switch, switcheroo. We got a, a guest with us. Will, welcome to the program, dude. Hey, oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. What are you drinking, Will? Uh, I got a little bit of the Yeti. Great Divide Yeti. So, you know what you need to try? You need to try the Yeti with a touch of vaporizer. <laughs> Is that? It's actually pretty good. Oh Jesus! Yeah, I've already started the Frankenbeer podcast part. <laughs> Perfect. Well, so we've got a uh, big episode coming at you. Yes. So, lots of good stuff coming out here. Um, we have Matt Swihart from Double Mountain Brewing coming up. And we're talking a little bit about brewing. Uh, Gary's got a beer that he brewed. And I've got a couple of different beers kind of in different stages here we'll talk about. And then uh, we're doing a mystery beer. Uptown Brewing Company, Binary Brewing as they're known. Is doing a mystery beer six pack. Huh. Yeah, so we're going to do that. We're going to do their dark beer mystery beer six pack. So Will's here to help us out with that. This so, should be good and embarrassing. Yeah, it'll be embarrassing. <laughs> what the heck? So, um, but yeah, so well, let's get uh, started here. So Matt from double mountain so i reached out to him i believe this is part of your oregon beer trail it was (laughs) and i had the hardest time trying to get a hold of anybody i sent emails to their general email i sent emails to their events guy and i wasn't hearing anything back and then uh you took over the ship and heard back with i i think it was less than 24 hours so i'm feeling pretty inadequate there well, big thanks to Homies and the team over at Double Mountain. Matt reached out to me, and uh, I appreciate the follow-up. So we were able to hook up the interview today. Uh, but again, to remind the listeners, we're doing the Oregon Beer Trail, which is Aaron Trotter's uh, hand-illustrated uh, playing cards. And we select a brewery at random. And then we contact them about uh, setting up an interview or a uh, a visit. So in this COVID environment, we can't do a visit. So we're doing interviews via conference call. And so contacted Double Mountain, and they were awesome. So big thanks to the team out there, and we'll listen to that here in a few minutes. Um, But I did contact because I drew Waltz Brewing. Waltz. Waltz Brewing. Yeah. Yeah. And Waltz um, was interesting in that they don't want to do the interview by phone. You know, and I I, I kind of understand that. Um, and I, actually, I got to respect that. It's like if you guys are going to come interview us, do it in person. Yeah, 
interesting. So I was a bit offended at first. I was like, what the hell? Who would want the Portland Timbeers interviewing you? Um, but... Dodgers getting offended? No. That never happens. I was butthurt. But then I was like, wait a minute. They totally want us to come out and visit them at their brewery where we can try their beers, which they said. And so, yeah, once this COVID stuff is done, we're heading out to Waltz Brewing for yeah. one of our interviews. So, and, and we get the actual immersed experience that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you and I both prefer to kind of do it that way. Oh, absolutely. Right. So, um, so that'll be fun. So Waltz Brewing will come. But in the meantime, we hooked up with Double Mountain, so um, which is one of yours. Um, <laughs> Way to rub that in. Way to rub that in. What are you saying? That means I got to draw another card. You got to draw tonight. a card. So yeah. I'm going to uh, pull these out here. We got the deck of cards here. And uh, let's see what we pull. <laughs> that was Jason after drinking too many beer. Yeah. Take that one. No. <laughs> you know, I hate it when you do this because you always, you always suggest, and I don't, I'm not going for your suggestion, you dirty bastard. <laughs> Give me that one, you ass. <laughs> What's your card? The Three of Diamonds. Yeah! Any ideas? It says something brewing company. So they hosted the virtual brew fest this weekend. And I did not attend. Something Island Brewing Company. Any guesses? No guesses. Come on, Will. You can do it. (laughs) It's got to be Thunder, right? Thunder Island. Thunder Woo! Island. Nice Thunder job, Island Will. Thunder Company, man. <laughs> Booyah! All right, Thunder Island Brewing Company. Not that you're listening actively to us, but... Uh, you will be. We will be reaching out to you for an interview here, so... So respond to me, please. I don't want to look like an ass here. And Gary, hey, if you need some help, just let me know and I'll reach out <laughs> yeah. to you. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> that's, that's so fucked up. <laughs> Well, you know what? When you have the touch. Yeah, and the time during, like, normal business hour days. <laughs> you got all the time at night to craft a fantastic <laughs> yeah. email message. What are you talking right. about? Yeah, yeah. Right when they get there in the morning, they can read your wonderfully worded email. Yeah, they got there during spam hours at 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's... Uh, Tune in to Matt here and listen to what's going on with Double Mountain and Matt Swihart. All right, it's Jason from the Timbers here, and I am here with the illustrious uh, Timbers crew plus guests. And uh, but more importantly, the real reason we're here, we are here with one of the founders from Double Mountain. Uh, brewing out of Hood River, um, who has graciously taken time off of his Sunday to join us on the air on this at least beautiful here in the Portland area uh, day. So Gary and I are sitting here enjoying a couple of his brews right now. Um, but uh, Matt, I'll let you introduce yourself to the listeners and kind of start off with telling us about Double Mountain and where you guys are located. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, first, let me just say uh, thank you, uh, gents, for having me on tonight. It's a pleasure. Uh, yeah, I'm Matt uh, Swihart at uh, Double Mountain Brewery on Hood River. Um, we are a brewery in the Gorge. Started about 13 years ago, and uh, I was um, 
kind of a, a number two guy in command over at Full Sail for about 13 years. And then I left that brewery um, and started Bell Mountain so I could do my own thing. I started it with uh, Charlie Devereaux, a buddy of mine that uh, has gone on to start Wayfinder. And, um, yeah, the brewery's, the brewery's done great, and uh, we've had a lot of fun making some really great beers and, uh, and some good pizza um, that we're kind of well-known for and, and opened up our taproom in Woodstock as well in Portland. And uh, so, yeah, we're just trying to survive in the post-COVID world, as they say. Yeah, crazy, crazy times right now. So you guys really opened is, up, yeah. if I'm – you guys opened up, if I'm not mistaken, in 07, I'm guessing, because I read an interview yeah, we did. That was, it was about 2009. Yeah, we, we opened on St. Patrick's Day, which was a, a, a super fun time. We, we thought we might make uh, a New Year's Eve uh, in 2000, uh, early 2007, you know, January 1st. We thought we might make that date, but it kind of pushed out. And then uh, <clears throat> so we really tried hard to get open on St. Patty's Day. Um, and so we had a little bit of fun with that. We came up with a beer uh, that was a red IPA that we called the IRA, and uh, and that was uh, that was a little poke at the fun of the Irish Republican Army and opened on Patty's Day, and and so we've kind of had a a, a fun uh, tongue-in-cheek uh, time with uh, with our beer fans and customers since then. So we uh, we we like being irreverent and uh, and and pushing the envelope a little bit. That's fantastic. So the timing's interesting. Uh, so you guys opened right about the beginning of the recession, the last recession we had. Obviously, totally. weathered that, and it become a massive, massive presence within the state and regionally, if not nationally, known for consistent beers, very good beers. Um, how is the time now with COVID different from that recession? Um, and well, how it was, it was interesting. Yeah, we you know we started it was it was really right at the start of the recession, so we couldn't really you know see that forthcoming the uh, the collapse of the housing crisis. Um, you know, I our plans to start a brewery you know weren't really you know tied to what was happening economically. It was really more what was happening in the beer world. So we just saw uh, kind of a gaping hole for more interesting beers. You know, the the kind of the early guard of craft brewers were kind of making these, uh, I don't want to call them pedestrian, but I mean, they're kind of, uh, you know, I, I just more of a mainstream approach to beers. And there was kind of a movement to uh, bring flavor levels down, alcohol levels down, uh, bitterness units down, hot profiles down. And that was happening across the board with a lot of the regional players. Um, and I saw a lot of similarities uh, historically with, uh, you know, the large major breweries that did that in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s uh, with the kind of decline of, um, of smaller regional industrial breweries. So we, we thought there was a great opportunity uh, to come in and make, uh, you know, robust beer with a lot of flavor. And so, um, that, you know, that was our, that was our take. Um, customers really embraced it, and uh, we had a lot of success with it. I guess the difference now uh, is, you know, this is a whole whole different world. So um, we were reacting to changes in the beer world um, and opportunities that we saw that we could move forward. And, and this is, you know, uh, a global health catastrophe, uh, really unrelated to beer economics. Um, we're just more, uh, you know, victims 
like any other industry at this time of, of, a, of a greatly retrenched economy. So um, we're relying now not so much on our, uh, well, certainly our consistency and our beer credibility and that sort of thing, but we're really just putting our heart and soul into community, um, you know, just focusing on how we can do well by our customers, local beer delivery, uh, takeout pizza, um, we started a foundation for our employees that were impacted and laid off. So it's just, it's really whatever we can do for the community to be, um, to be a citizen. And, uh, and, and we think that's, you know, even if it doesn't work, uh, we might as well go out with a, with a good fight of doing the right thing. Fantastic. So the Hood River scene's bustling. You talk about your pizza. I've had your pizza multiple times. Been to the brewery about a dozen times. Stayed at bed and breakfast in the area. Um, and what I'm fascinated with in the early days, right about the foundation, right when you guys started, um, it was you and Full Sail. And now this cluster effects really happened that we saw with oh, sure. end early on. And, and now you got this big cluster thing going on with Prim and some of the others playing there. Um, how has the Hood River brew scene changed? And I wouldn't even say Hood River. I would say that that Columbia River section into Stevenson and some of that area. Talk a little bit about that. How long people, are, how much people are getting along, or maybe not. Um, and how is there well, like no, going I think, on there? I think we get along uh, really well, kind of extraordinarily well. Um, in, in fact, we were kind of an early advocate to uh, when I first started. I, I tried to start this. Uh, a brewer's guild that was just in the gorge to, you know, link together uh, small breweries uh, to kind of get the name out for, you know, come on out to the gorge and come to the brewery. And, uh, and I didn't get a lot of interest, you know, at that time early on, and we're talking 2008, 2009. And then with the advent of, you know, folks like Freem coming in, um, uh, you know, Solera up in Parkdale, uh, everybody started, you know, we, we got this kind of synergy of younger players or newer players, I should say. Um, and, uh, and they were a lot more dynamic and a lot more interested in working together. And a lot of these guys I actually, you know, had worked with and trained with, you know, at, at Full Sail. Like Doug worked for me at everybody's. Um, I didn't get an opportunity to work with Josh at Freem because he worked at Full Sail uh, maybe a couple of years after I did. But a lot of the a lot of the folks here in the gorge, you know, I've been a brewer with, um, you know, over the years. So, you know, we we've been drinking beer together for years, decades, and so we continue to do that. And so it's 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 kind of a nice dynamic where we're all pretty supportive of each other. We all make different beers, so it's not like you know, you know, don't drink beer over at that place or drink beer at my place. It's more like, yeah, that's a great beer. Go check it out. He's got a very different take on things, and we've got a different take on things. You know, much like a, uh, uh, you know, Napa Valley of the wine world, um, you know, is that you would go there, and, and would you object to another great uh, winery in Napa Valley? And of course not. And would you object to another great brewery being in the gorge? And again, of course not. So it's kind of the rising tide, you know, floats all boats. Yeah. No, I mean, it's crazy. And you can definitely tell the synergy because, again, breweries keep popping up in the gorge and it, it seems to me from an outsider looking in somebody that comes and uh, visits as a tourist that things are going well um, and it does it kind of has that bend that early bend feel where everybody's kind of supportive of each other 
So something cool to see. Definitely, listeners, definitely go check out the Hood River Bruising because it is popping right now. So yeah, thank you. what's this thing with cider that you guys are doing? So obviously it makes sense. Cider capital, I mean, all sorts of apples and pears and fruit in the Hood River area. You guys have jumped into cider, it sounds like. Talk to us a little bit about your cider line. Well, the, you know, the origins of that was, you know, I've been making cider on the side just, you know, for kind of fun. And then when we, when we started the brewery, we kind of always envisioned, like, how do we bring the, the, what the Columbia Gorge is known for, the Hood River Valley, was for our, you know, world-renowned, you know, fruit, cherries. And so we, we wanted to do, uh, you know, authentic kind of Belgian creeks, you know, like our Devil's Creek or our Tahoma Creek. Um, you know, featuring, uh, you know, sour fermented uh, cherry beers. Um, and we thought with the abundance of the pears and the apples in the area too, that that would be a, a great place for us to, uh, to put some effort. Um, and then just the origin of the brewery itself. Um, you know, we're, we're Double Mountain, you know, brewery. Uh, it's named that because, you know, I have an orchard mid-valley that's got a two-mountain view of, of uh, Mount Adams and Mount Hood. And, uh, and we're growing pears. And so I started planting heirloom apple varieties maybe about 12 years ago. And those are slowly uh, coming into production with different varieties. And I've, I've learned a bunch, you know, through learning how to be an orchardist and a cider maker. And uh, it's just a, it's a great um, – it's exciting to really explore kind of the winemaking aspects of the world. It's, it's different than beer. It's, it's a lot more nuanced and a lot of post-production stuff that I'm, you know, it's different than, than the beer world. And I'm really loving uh, learning how to grow trees. So it's, a, you know, we've got about five acres that are in a heirloom fruit right now and uh, making these old world uh, cider varieties. And it's great to be able to grow the apples, press it ourselves, ferment it ourselves and get it out to customers. That's fantastic. So, I love that you tied in the name of the brewery into that that there. That <laughs> my wife and I are looking for a piece of property actually up there park, between Parkdale and Hood River, which is offers this unbelievable view of the two mountains, hence the name Double Mountain. Um, right. I'm a climber, so I've climbed Adams half a dozen times and guided trips up Adams with some buddies and all of that. Um, and then, of course, I always love, stop at lunch oh, counter because that's that's when I get tired. <laughs> Well, I was on lunch counter, the last big forest fire they had. I was actually camped out with a group that I was guiding up on lunch counter, and then the forest fire started down there in the parking lot area, and we had oh, to be hella backed off. Yeah, so wow. crazy, crazy wow. times. It's the last time I was on Adams. So. Um, but, yeah, I have fond memories of sitting on lunch counter waiting for some sort of evac team coming off. So, And guess where we stopped? Wow. We stopped on the way out to Double Mountain. So. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank yeah you. it's a beautiful area. I mean, you, you just can't get over, uh, you know, just uh, the mountains and the Cascade Range uh, and the volcanoes. It's, it's, it's overwhelming. I'm, I've, I've only lived in the state about 26 years, and, it, uh, you know, I'm hooked for life now. So let's talk about that. So excellent segue. Um, your background, you were an engineer, from what I understand, and then you went to Seabold. Talk to us a little bit about how you go from an engineer to Seabold to uh, wholesale and then opening your own at Double Mountain. Yeah, so um, the, <laughs> the colorful way to explore it uh, is, yeah, I was an aerospace engineer, 
Um, and as I always like to tell my friends and you know people that would drink with me in bars, was I made death machines for the government. So uh, fighter jets, uh, missile systems, uh, aerospace planes, you know, uh, orbital kind of stuff, and uh, super interesting technically. Um, but I just, you know, at the start of the uh, the first Gulf War, I kind of had a crisis of uh, of faith of that, you know, the the products that I made um, were used to kill people. And it, and it just kind of, I just, uh, you know, that's not going to work. So as a, as a young engineer, I just decided I had chosen the totally wrong profession. So I quit and traveled, you know, the globe for, uh, you know, a few years and, and uh, did a series of totally random jobs, painting houses and driving horse and carriage and repairing vacuum cleaners and whatever I could come up with. Um, was a Peace Corps dropout, and uh, and then I discovered beer, and uh, and then it, it just like a light bulb went off in my head. I thought, oh my God, it's it's scientific, it's technical, it's got an artistic bent to it, creative, and uh, and I just knew that's what I wanted to do, and so I discovered Siebel, went through their program, and then and then hooked a job out in Hood River. Sweet. So. Um... Talk to me a little bit about the beer styles that you guys are known for. So obviously it's Seabold, and as you're coming through wholesale and you're kind of learning and picking things up from other brewers and from what works with customers and what sells, what doesn't sell, you then came to Double Mountain with this, this idea of what you wanted it to be. Um, and early on, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, that you used pretty much one yeast style but changed the variety of ingredients that you had as it related, but well, what beer styles are you known for? So, and then talk to me about that. Well, thing. We, we did a we did a couple of things. Um, the main thing is, is again, I, I I kind of found that brewers were being timid, you know, back in the day, um, early two thousands, and there was there had been a shakeout in the late nineties of a bunch of breweries, and I just I just wasn't really enjoying, you know, what was being mass marketed on the craft beer side. But then you had people like. Terminal Gravity would be a great example. Uh, super hop forward, you know, bitter, stronger beers. And I thought Steve, you know, out in Enterprise was doing a great job. And there was there were several breweries that were kind of pushing the envelope. Russian River comes to mind. Dogfish, you know, had comes to mind. And so um, I just thought there was an opportunity for me to do something similar. And then so we always approach it like, don't try to market beer or make a beer that people want to drink as weird as that sounds, like, I, like, do not chase the market. Do not try to speculate what people want. Uh, make a beer that you want to make. And so it was always like, I'm going to make a beer that I want to drink. And so it was, it was uh, the tagline was, you know, we're a brewer's brewery. We want to make beer for brewers. We don't care about customers. Again, that sounds a little weird. But the idea was just do whatever we wanted to do. And then if it worked, it worked. And if it didn't, you know, pack up and go home. So um, that was really our approach. And, uh, and customers, you know, came along for the ride, and they thought it was a cool approach. So strong beers was kind of our start. Um, pretty hop forward, fairly bitter. Um, we tried to blend styles together, so don't brew, like, classic styles. You know, blend Belgian beers and... German beers and British beers and American IPAs kind of together 
So we had these hybrid styles like uh, we used a Belgian yeast strain. Uh, we used German malts. Um, we used American hops. So it was kind of like what I always thought was picking the best uh, raw materials from whoever made the best raw materials and then creating a beer style around that. Don't get worried about winning medals um, or brewing a style. Just do whatever you want to do. And that, that's kind of been what we've tried to do you know, from day one. So brew the beer you want to brew. I want this motley group that's sitting on hold right here on mute to hear that because we're about ready to crack open my saffron ale or saffron oh, lager great. rather. And uh, and I can tell you, it's an expensive raw material. Um, yeah, yeah. I put a half ounce in there, so I'm. It's the most expensive beer <laughs> I've ever made. <laughs> and I yeah. bought the Penzies and bought the high end Spanish saffron and. Um, but I can tell you what a half ounce does inside a five-gallon batch is it is punch you in the face. So these guys are about that's ready to taste that, and I want them to remember awesome. your words, <laughs> which is <laughs> the beer you want to beer. So exactly. Um, so talk to me um, a little bit about uh, you talked about your formal experience. Did you homebrew? Were you a homebrewer? Are you still homebrew? Yeah, How do you I do mean, your I, test I batches? It. Yeah, I had a buddy. I had a buddy in college. That, uh, started homebrewing and, uh, you know, I went down to, you know, his house and, you know, we, you know, fired up a joint and brewed some beer and, you know, it was kind of awful. And, you know, so that was kind of my first experience. It was really just kind of tagging along with him. And then when I was uh, an engineer in St. Louis, um, I had another friend that we kind of did it as an aside of, a you know, because we were guitar friends and uh and we like drinking beer together so we we started doing that together so he and i bought some equipment and it was just a camaraderie thing and again we made we had a few batches of beer nothing really exceptional it was all extract based it was all you know just canned you know recipes um but then you know after i quit my job and traveled and had all these you know, great beers in Belgium and Germany and, uh, you know, when I was traveling around Africa, um, the, uh, um, I was living back on the eastern seaboard and, uh, you know, in a crisis of, oh, my God, I need a job, I started working at this homebrew supply shop uh, just as kind of a lark. And then after reading every book on their shelf, um, I started really getting into it, and then you know, all great brewing, and and I was brewing, you know, four times a week and supplying my entire neighborhood. So that's you know that you know I probably made you know 200 beers in a year. Um, so I, I really OD'd on it, and that's that's the time that I discovered that I wanted to do it, you know, as a profession. Fantastic. So I'm going to play a little fly on the wall game. So I'm a fly on the wall, and you are inviting. Um, legends of brewing that you've admired, whether dead or alive, uh, to come and have dinner with you. Let's pick three legends of brewing that want to come have dinner with you. Who do you pick? <laughs> legends of brewing? Uh, well, yeah. Michael Jackson, but he's dead. <laughs> Absolutely. There you go. He's coming. Uh, I'm the fly. I get I've to watch him. the whole party. Yeah. Um, you know, you know I, I cut my teeth. You know, I probably pick friends of mine. Like, so... Um, like, you know, I was living in D.C., and, and, you know, John Mallett was an inspiration to me. I uh, 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 went to him when I came up with this idea to be a brewer. He did his best to try to say, don't do that. That's, that's a dumb idea. 
Um, and he really discouraged me, but he, I worked on his bottling line for uh, a few months for not getting paid, um, you know, for the experience. And, uh, you know, John's a great guy, so I, I would just love to have dinner with him. Anyway, um, and then, uh, you know, when I worked at Full Sail, you know, John Harris, a uh, good friend of mine. And, uh, you know, but, but, I, but I consider him a leader in the industry. And then really, you know, some of my, my SIBO instructors, um, I worked with this guy, Jim Helpke, um, that uh, was a production manager on the packaging end at Labatt's. He was a tire engineer, um, but super smart guy. I learned so much from him. From him. Uh, Joe Power, uh, who came up with the first recipe for light beer in Chicago eons ago. Um, those, those instructors were, were amazing and, uh, and super formative for me. The power, the power of Siebold, right? So again, the power of Siebold. Yeah. It's a, you know, hundred year old school. So. Right. I mean, not necessarily like big name brewers, but it's like the guys that are actually doing the work that know the knowledge that are actually teaching and passing that on massive knowledge. So So the beauty of that school at the time, and, and I, I don't know the school as well because they've been sold a little bit, but I think they're still a quite reputable organization. But the beauty at the time was that it was taught by brewers. You know, so you'd get a guy from Miller that would come in, you know, uh, and and give the class on malt. You know, give the class on hops. You get a guy, you know, from the malting industry out of there, out of Wisconsin, um, and it was just you had, you know, 20 instructors. They were all leaders in industry. And knowledgeable and small class sizes, and it was really kind of more of a trade school than a college, but but uh, really learning on your feet from the people that are doing it every day, and uh, to tie that in with actual brewing experience um, really kind of sealed the deal. That's fantastic. So the yeah. most memorable beer that you've had in the past 30 days that's not yours. Most memorable beer I had in the last 90 days is not mine. Oh, let's see. We're in a COVID world. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. I had a, I had a, I had a chance to have. Uh, I'm, I'm a giant anti-can guy, but a buddy of mine gave me a can <laughs> of RPM the other day, and uh, it was, it was pretty tasty. I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, so that I was probably the most pleasurable. Can and RPM now. Yeah, blows Well, away. you know, there's no draft business anywhere right. so um we're all just trying to you know stay afloat so i i get it farley brown's with cannon pallet jack now and i mean it's, it's crazy who's canning right. that right. hasn't been canning right all these drought lines yeah. that you're like i gotta get the cans so. <laughs> yeah so um and then i guess my final piece is tips and tricks for the novice brewers for the home brewers the novice brewers out there if you had a couple of tips or tricks or things that you would advice that you would offer for the home brewer that's out there, control is obviously hard for a home brewer. That's really our listenership is people that are home brewing, getting into brewing, or thinking about taking that next step. Um, what do you have to offer the folks that are thinking about making well, it a career or want to perfect their beer that they're doing in their five gallon batch now? Well, when I when I was, you know, because I taught classes when I was at that homebrew shop and, and, you know, worked with a lot of people that were just learning. And, it was, you know, the big things were just kind of your, your basics. Uh, great boils, you know. <clears throat> getting a good, a, good, a good boil where you're getting a decent 10% evaporation, you know, whatever that takes. If that's in an hour, great. 
If it's in an hour and a half, that's fine. Um, cooling rapidly uh, once that boil's done. You know, get that down to room temperature in a half hour or less, and then uh, and then aeration and healthy yeast. Those things together, you know, are all the the basic. You know, you could take that to a lot. Of, you know, even even people that start industrially brewing that don't get that right, you can tell right away because you know their beers aren't of high quality. So you know, those are just kind of the standard hallmarks. And then what I recommend for young brewers that are trying to break into the industry is just do whatever you can to get your foot in a brewery. And, and there's no greater teacher than experience. So I don't care what school you went to or what books you've read. doesn't really matter. I mean, time, slopping hoses around and working with valves and pumps and machinery. I mean, a good car mechanic uh, is invaluable in a brewery because it's the mechanical skills that can really drive you forward. Um, you know, that and a good palate. And then don't drink too much of your product, I should say, as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome advice. Uh, one of the big questions I've got for you is um, you guys have recently done the Double Mountain Foundation to help with, with the current COVID issue. Do you see that foundation surviving past post-COVID? Um, and if so, in what capacity? Yeah, it was really, um, I was approached, I, so I started the brewery with a couple of college roommates. Um, you know, they were, you know, kind of silent investors, and they were, you know, while I was, you know, being a vagabond, they, you know, were successful in their careers, and so they had money to invest, so I took it from them, right? And so <laughs> when, when the thing was uh, successful, and they've had a nice return over the years, um, when the pandemic rolled around, and we were faced with those terrible choices of laying people off. They, they reached out to me and said, you know, what the investors would like to do something to, you know, to kind of give back to these people that have worked so hard, you know, for that success. So uh, five of us, you know, created this foundation. Um, we all kicked in some money. And, uh, and then it kind of snowballed. So it's not, you know, giant, giant yet, but, I mean, we're getting donations every day. Um, we got a grant from the United Way. We were able to expand not just beyond uh, Double Mountain workers, but uh, other hospitality and restaurant workers here in the Gorge. And, uh, you know, we're buying local grocery cards, you know, gift cards, and our local, you know, Rosars and Safeway and Fred Myers, and giving those out to people that are laid off you know, from the restaurant world, and it's having an immediate impact. Um, a lot of these folks aren't seeing their unemployment come through yet. And so uh, it's just, it, it's immediate. You know, people can buy, buy, put food on their table. Um, and then as, as we move forward, uh, it's going to be a great vehicle. You know, we've, if anyone, you know, lives <laughs> through life, terrible things can happen <laughs> to them. So, right. um you know, we're all faced with friends, family, relatives that have, you know, have terrible health crisis and cancer and, and dramatic things that happen in our lives. And so if we've got this, you know, uh, vehicle, you know, that can come in and assist those families, pay their rent, pay their health care, um, you know, during those times when 
there aren't you know other places they can reach out to. Um, we just see it as a, as a great way to have immediate need, um, you know. And so, doing the legwork of becoming a nonprofit, you know, 501c3, you know, gives us that tax structure to be to do it well, and for it to be legal, and uh, and and we're generating a lot of interest that way. So I I think I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. It's it's having a great immediate beneficial effect, and I and I really see it as moving forward to be a kind of a strong force in our community. Yeah, it, it's really awesome to see that the, the, the brewery that the public has supported is, is now supporting the public. So it, it's really cool to see that two-way street going on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate this opportunity. I, uh, Matt, thank you for making awesome beers over the years and great pizza. I'm enjoying a IRA right now in my killer red glass. Um, and <laughs> Nice. I, I, I just love the fact that I learned the story of how it came up with the name. Um, I always just thought it was an Indian red ale, and you tried to do a twist on uh, an IPA and a red. And, yeah, now I know, you know, this was the opening beer. Um, it's cool and a cool experience. Um, <laughs> what would you say is your flagship beer? Would it be IRA? Would it be the Colch? Would it be Vaporizer, Killer Red, or Killer Lion? Well, it, it definitely was IRA for you know our first decade. You know that was uh, that was the most successful beer. It was the most of what we made and the most dominant. And then what we saw was um, you know our our first Northwest IPA was Hop Lava. That was very successful. So it kind of came up for a while and, and did well. Um, Vaporizer did really well as a, as a dry hopped uh, pale ale, um, and they all kind of, even in the Kolsch as well, it became this kind of like, wow, all four of those beers are doing really well. So none was like totally outshining the other. They were all just very, you know, strong, um, and that, <clears throat> and that, and that worked well for us. Um, and then we really wanted to, uh, you know, there there was a shift uh, in and, uh, and beer is moving towards, you know, taking the hops from the front end, moving them to the back of the brew for more flavor, for more aroma. Um, you know, when people did that too aggressively, you know, they started having colloidal problems, and that's your hazy beers that came out because, um, you know, the hop oils didn't settle. And so um, we wanted a, uh, a more aromatic uh, flavor hop-focused beer that became Hop Lion. So I would say right now uh, that would be uh, our current, you know, strongest performer. So our flagship would really be that, uh, that Rastafarian-inspired Hop Lion IPA. Excellent. Um, are you still using the same yeast strain for all of your beers, or now that you've ventured off, are you using it's, different it's yeast strains? It's two strains. Yeah, we use two strains. So um, when I approached, you know, when we started the brewery, I went to uh, David Logston, uh, you know, who founded Weiss Labs, and he was a you know personal friend of mine and and uh, uh, super knowledgeable guy, local. He was the first brewmaster at Full Sail, actually, and so I worked with him for years. And I went to him. I said, Dave, I I want to. I'm starting a brewery. Um, I need a workhorse uh, yeast. Um, don't steer me towards a style. Like I don't want a Belgian. Uh, you know, British ale, or I don't want a British ale. You know, I don't want a British yeast. I don't want American yeast. 
I want to use something that people haven't used. So, um, so I suggested, like, give me a couple of yeast strains I can play with, but don't tell me what they are. Um, I want them to be uh, estery and fruity at higher temperatures. I want them to be clean at a neutral, you know, room temperature kind of ferment. Um, and we were considering bottling conditioning. So I said, I don't want them to flock heavy. Um, so he hit me with a couple of strains, didn't tell me what they were, and they end up being uh, our Abbey, our Belgian Abbey yeast that we use for most of the IPAs, and the Kolsch, you know, which is interesting, that it then got featured in, you know, some of our Belgian beers down the road. Um, so we, we fermented with those two strains, um, and I fell in love with both of them, so I've kept them both. So about half the beers are on that. Uh, it's the Rochefort yeast. Um, uh, that Abbey yeast, and then the other is, is the traditional uh, coal cheese out of clone. Excellent. Awesome. Thank awesome you. Hey, Jason, Jason said I could only ask two questions, but I'm going to ask a third because uh, oh. I like to roll <laughs> that right. way. Matt, you, you mentioned your venture into to ciders now to use some of the, the product you have at your orchard. Where do you foresee the future of Double Mountain Brewing going? You've, you're on year five, year six net of Woodstocks, and it seems like Woodstocks is, as I've listened to this, this interview, a lot of your personality kind of coming out. Um, that Olympic poster that's on the sidewall, Jason, if you're looking at the, the um, main bar, what is that to the right, man? That legendary uh, poster <laughs> wallpaper I, I, is just I still cool. Think it's Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger. Um, yeah, I found that. <laughs> I found that on eBay for two hundred and fifty bucks, and I fell in love with it. The contractors uh, thought I was insane. They're like, "You're going to do what?" I'm like, "Yeah, we're going to put this billboard up on this wall." They're like, "Why?" I'm like, "Just, just do it. You know, just put it up there. It's going to be awesome." <laughs> So once we survive this COVID experience and your business and your foundation remain intact, where do you see the future for Double Mountain going? Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I, I love the cider. I love the fact, you know, that I'm learning how to essentially make wine uh, and being a vintner, you know, taking fruit, fermenting it, learning how to process it, learning how to get the best flavors, and now working with wine yeast rather than beer yeast. Um, and I think, uh, and, and being involved on the agriculture end to grow the fruit. I mean, it's just a whole new thing. It's something to learn. And I love that. But, and that's a big but, um, I love beer. You know, I'm, I'm a beer guy first and center. So Double Mountain, it's a brewery first. It's always going to be a brewery first. Um, the Cider is a, is a super fun project, um, and it's part of our DNA and it's, you know, it's where the orchard is. It's, you know, it's our foundation. Um, but, but, you know, it's, it's beer and pizza. It's not complicated. That's our jam. Um, we've always wanted a comfortable space to have a beer, um, meet with friends, listen to some great music, um, and that's it. It's not complicated. It's just like I want a space that I want to have a beer in after work, and I'm assuming other people feel the same way. So however I can do that, in the most comfortable way has been our focus. And I don't see us doing like chains, multiple restaurants. I mean, I love having a place in Portland, but two is a good number. You know, I'm not trying to take over the world. Just, I'm just trying to have a good time, read the New York Times, listen to some albums, drink some good beer, 
have a pizza. It's it's super uncomplicated. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Jason, for organizing this. Um, my son is saying good night to me, but is reminding me of Star Wars. And Matt, <laughs> if you can ever brew Imperio Stout again, he gets super geeked uh, when he comes into Portland every right time and no, he sees that, that rectangular picture. Yeah, Kyle came up with that beer, one of our brewers. He's a great guy. Um, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give him that, uh, that feedback. That's awesome. Um, so, and then I guess our last question is from Will. Thank you, Matt, for joining us. This is a, uh, this is an awesome opportunity and, uh, Thanks, Will. Glad, glad that, uh, that I could be a part of it. Um, I was just going to ask, uh, I, I'm from Baker city originally, and I was ecstatic to see your collaboration of, uh, Coyote Sunset IPA, uh, recently and uh, i was just gonna ask you if if that's something that you're gonna bring back or if you plan on doing more collaboration soon well i you know i <laughs> you know this is just me being honest I, i'm not a fan of collaboration beers because you know i'm i I'm, i can be a little uh do it my way you know i want to do things how i want so um when i have done collaborations I, I try to pick people that I like to work with, people that I respect. And so working with Tyler uh, out of Barley Browns was, was an awesome experience. Um, we did one with Terminal Gravity. We've done one with Fort George. Um, and so, you know, pick and choose, you know, your partners well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I thought that beer came out well. The, the collaborations that have worked the best for us is when we really do approach, you know, when, when the other brewer – and I, you know, like Tyler, it's like, okay, let's, what do you feel your signatures are at your brewery? And, uh, and then each brewery kind of comes up with what that palette profile is and how do we combine those palette profiles that respect the origins that they came from uh, but add this complexity when blended together. So, you know, it's whether that's using another brewer's malt that's their kind of bulk um, you know, backbone to their brew. Uh, we've tra- traded, I think we used the, uh, well, we did use uh, Tyler's yeast strain on that brew um, and some of his hopping techniques like he used on the pallet jack and that combined with kind of some of our approach, uh, our hop back, which is, you know, a lot of whole flowers that we really pack in um, heavy, you know, on that process. So combining those, two, those things worked really well for us. So, um, yeah, I'd love to brew a beer with Tyler again. Um, and I wouldn't mind making that beer again. I thought it came out pretty good. It was very good. And thank you. I appreciate Thanks. your time. Yeah. Cool. Well, Matt, you've been more than generous with your time. I think I quoted 15, 20 minutes, and we're well over that. Well, that's but, right, uh, yeah. yeah, I appreciate your time. Um, we are, like I said, on the podcast here, huge fans of Double Mountain. Um, and we for sure will be out once this COVID thing lifts and – Good to do our uh, guys trip out that way and hit up all the good breweries, but for sure we'll uh, make sure we hit up the pizza and music and great beers at Double Mountain. Um, and, again, thanks for your time, man. Well, I, I appreciate it. And then just my plug to the world and, and the beer community and, the, and beer drinkers out there, um, you know, restaurants have been around uh, from the dawn of time <laughs> and so have beer drinkers, and uh, beer will come back and so will – Soul places to drink it. So uh, I look forward to when that comes back. And thank you for having me tonight. All right. We're back with uh, 
Will sitting here, Gary sitting here. <laughs> Post interview with Matt Swire. What'd you guys think? Fantastic interview. Absolutely fantastic. Will, great guy, great guy. You could tell he was uh, very interested and uh, had had roots uh, in the homebrew season. So great that uh, he was interested in supporting. Homebrewers obviously likes collaborations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was glad for that answer. I was, I totally thought it was a softball question. He, he batted it down. I'm, yeah, that was awesome. That's, that's he good. batted down all of the questions. That guy is masterful on the interview panel. What I think is so awesome about that whole brewery and, and their their whole essence is that it it's a brewer's brewery. It, it's not. He didn't create this brewery for the masses. He created it basically for him. What beer do I want to drink? And that's what I'm going to brew. And, and that just filters out into the the the, the public. So yeah, I totally agree. Um, what I'm fascinated by is Tim. Tim hit this, and we had talked earlier about this uh, single yeast strain thing. And, yeah. And um, I'm fascinated with that because. More or less early on, they had this single yeast strain, potentially two, which he talked about. And he's like, look, we're going to change the ingredients out. We're going to do the best ingredients that we can find for malt, for hops, for yeast, for all of that, water, and make the best beer that we can. The best beer that we want to drink, not necessarily what everybody else wants to drink. Right. Right. And so then I think about my saffron lager and how... That's really what my aim was. No, I'm kidding. So. Yeah, I, don't, I don't ever remember you ever saying Hold on. you wanted to drink a saffron ale. No, I believe when we watched Brew Dogs and said, "Hey, how do we make the world's most yes, expensive beer?" That's what we thought. Yeah, yeah. No, but I'm fascinated that essentially, if we just when we home brewed, so this this ale yeast that you just used to make your white stout, or yeah. The yeast that I, the lager yeast I just did, do the Kolsch or the saffron lager, which is the same lager yeast. What if I just use that yeast, that same yeast for every single batch I ever brewed, right? Whether it be an IPA or anything else. Yeah. Um, I don't have to worry about cross contamination. Nope. Right? Because it's a single yeast strain. Correct. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to worry about the yeast at all. I could harvest the yeast over and over and over and over again. To a point. I could just make twists on the malt, or I could make twists on temperature, or I could make twists on um, other ingredients, which is fascinating, right? Because that's that control piece that we talk about that brewers want, right? Yeah, and one of the things that that Matt didn't touch on in that interview that is actually posted on their website about the brewery that he talks about is that he views what he wants the beer to taste like and then designs the recipe around that. So he already has in his mind what he wants that beer to taste like. So I think that's where his yeast strains come in. Is he knew what those what he wanted to get for a flavor profile with those yeast strains, and then he builds his beers around those, and I think that's pretty impressive. That's that Seabold training inside of him, right? He's able to kind of 
vision what he wants out of the hops and vision what he wants out of the malts and the temperature and the yeast profile is going to provide this ester if I do it at a higher temperature. Yeah. And he's able to target what he wants. And I think that takes a special kind of brain to do that too because uh, you've, you've got to know what those flavor profiles are to be able to get those flavor flavor profiles in the first place. If you haven't brewed a bunch or experimented a bunch with that, you're not going to know it. I have a special brain. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, I do, dude. <laughs> I had this vision of saffron lager. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and we're going to taste it later, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, heard, yeah. you heard the post interview with Tim, right? So here's your punch to the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, who would have known a half ounce of saffron would do that to a beer? Yeah, it goes a long ways, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Could have used a third of an ounce. (laughs) Get more for money out of that. (laughs) You know what? It'll turn out. It will. And you know what? You can always open a Ranier and mix it with Ranier. (laughs) Ranier. Saw an empty can of that on the road. There is. Entrance to the neighborhood. There's a Ranier can sitting right there. Oh, my Lord. I did want to say I thought it was really interesting. He kind of slipped it in there, but Matt had talked about the uh, Hop Lion IPA and that that was pretty much in response to all the hazies. Yeah. Coming out. I thought that was interesting. And that was kind of a, it was, it was kind of a, making an undercut at hazies. He so, definitely undercut a hazies, right? Because there was a comment about hazies and how they came about. I don't know if everybody caught that. Yep, we did catch that. It was a mistake in the brewing process. <laughs> Hazy equals lazy. Yeah. And that is fascinating. I love it. Right? Because essentially the Widmers were doing hazies with a Widmer Hefeweizen, right? But not an IPA setting. But, I mean, essentially that's what he's calling out is yeah. that, look... Yeah, they, there lazy, was a mistake in the brewing process. Lazy equals hazy. And Kurt and Rob, they were like flat out. Yeah, they forgot to filter the Hefeweizen that went out to Dublin. Yeah. And then they got these calls back of, hey, we want that hazy, crazy beer that you shot. And they're like, what? And they didn't know they had not filtered their beer out that way and dropped out the haze. It was purely a mistake beer. It's awesome. So... You know, the, the, under, the other interesting thing that I, I think that came out of that interview that I find really, really uh, interesting is he's not a big fan of canning. No, not at all. Yeah, He, does, he talked about RPM. I like the yeah. canning piece. <laughs> hey, you know what? You've got to can the saffron lager. <laughs> <laughs> got to get it to mellow. <laughs> saffron lager doesn't get better in the bottle. It gets better in the can. <laughs> Aluminum makes saffron better. it's a neutralizing agent (laughs) hopefully something's got to do it it's either that or plutonium so (laughs) So, um yeah awesome interview so matt thank you team out at double mountain thank you we will be out on a guy's trip soon gary and i've been talking about visiting frim and double mountain and full sail and all you guys out there so uh, that is going to be a hell of a trip, my friend, because there's a lot of breweries out there for us to try. Yeah, and I think we might just need to, to tie in like a paddleboard slash brewery trip with that one. 
Yeah, paddleboard on... I'm not so sure about paddleboarding on the Columbia River. No, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some of the tributaries maybe, but not actually on the Columbia. But, uh, and then the other one I was thinking about is, eventually when we draw one of the Eastern Oregon cards, heading out to Baker City in Eastern Oregon... Dude, Terminal Gravity, Barley Browns. I mean, yes. there's a lot of good yeah. breweries out in Eastern Oregon there that are going to kick ass. There's a lot of mileage in between them. There but, are. <laughs> but I think it's going to be a good time. And then we can tie that. If we do it in the winter, we can tie that Skin. with Anthony Lakes, dude. Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. What if we got a yurt at Anthony Lakes? <laughs> And we had the brewers come visit us at Anthony Lake. That would be bad. And they bring kegs of beer. Well, or bring brewing Will's equipment. Will's in. <laughs> bring brewing equipment and brew an Anthony Lake's Down Slope IPA or dark beer or something like that. You and I are going to brew a beer going down a mountain. Still. That's going to be a fucking wreck. <laughs> <laughs> we got to brew a beer on Summer Lake Island. Yes. Ooh. Yes. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> Using summer like water. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> we gotta boil that for two straight days to be able to use that. That's a different kind of hazy. <laughs> it's called carp hazy beer. So. <laughs> Carpe pucum. <laughs> All right. Well, so we've uh, had the Yeti here. Yeah. And uh, we'll slam the Yeti slash Kolsch mix. What do you think like of the Yeti well. Kolsch? Uh,. You know, better than I thought it had a right to be. So, you know what? Hats off, Gary. That's, uh... Gary, did you kill the vaporizer? Yeah. That was that was, that was was the first uh, Frankenbeer I did. So, <laughs> my Frankenbeer that I ended the night with was the Vaporizer Kolsch Yeti. Fantastic beer. You give Gary a little bit of extra time, a day off, and he slams a vaporizer, most of the Kolsch, yeah. and then a Yeti... Franken beer. Just call me the mixologist. <laughs> mixologist, I'll call you something. <laughs> all right. Well, but just call me that, Rogers. That's all you got to call me. All right. Well, let's come back here in a few seconds and uh, we'll start jumping into our mystery beer. Actually, let's hit the saffron first. Woo! We'll ruin the palate first. Wow, punch in the nuts. And then we'll go mystery beers and go from there. All right, we're back. <laughs> Talking about the down-to-earth status of brewers. We've yeah, only a couple sets of uh, brewers that are like not just cool guys that we would want to hang out with. Yeah, almost all of them are in that category of if you were going to have a beer with somebody, these guys would be in that category. Um, I think we've met one set that were asshats, and that was it. You know what that was right there? Uh, a beer brew... No, a beer cracking open. That was my first can I've ever opened up of my own beer. Wow. That right there has been memorialized on a podcast. Yikes. And you know what? Matt, sorry, but I like to can beer right now. <laughs> it kind of kicks ass. <laughs> it's because, only because it's fresh. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's because I just did it today. Like, literally... 12 hours, probably less than 12 hours ago. So right? I call this a juicy, hazy, <laughs> saffron lager. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> what the? <laughs> what is that? What's that sticking to the side of the glass? 
That's uh, saffron. No, that looks like bubbles. <laughs> yeah. Somehow the bubbles got trapped. Uh, more poison to the glass. All right, so saffron lager's been poured. It's been cracked out of the can. Uh, canned that, thanks, Joe, over Pacific Growlers. Uh, wow. You kick ass. So, Saffron lager, take one. Here you go, Gary. <laughs> Will and I have had the pleasure of sampling this a little bit. It tastes like fucking drinking a bouquet of flowers. <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong? No, it does. My God. <laughs> really? I gotta try that again. It's a flower punch, dude. It literally, I would say a bouquet of flowers is a good representation. No, that's exa- it's like I'm it's like I've got roses and <laughs> daffodils. Daffodils and fucking all sorts of other flowers in there and just reaching out and tickling my ears and slapping me in the face. And, <laughs> oh, hey, the sun's out. Drink me. I'm fantastic. Yeah, well, that's what a half ounce Are of... Are you fucking kidding me? Spanish saffron. Wow. <laughs> I would have never guessed that in a million years that saffron would do that to a beer. Yeah, well, 5.2%. And you got it up that high. <laughs> wow. That's impressive. What's impressive is the color. It is it looks like butter with a bunch of shit floating in it. You know what? Can you drink a whole pint of that? No. <laughs> That's what Debbie said last night. Not she even on a out. hot day could I drink a whole pint of that. Well, so Saffron Lager, what would you do different? Besides not Bruce Saffron. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got me there, Jace. (laughs) I just just wouldn't brew it. Um, I think you're onto something. I think I would lighten up the amount of saffron. Right. Um, And I think you were onto something else that you mentioned that you were going to throw possibly some some lime zest in it. Yep. I would avoid that. Why? Um... I think what's going to happen with the lime zest is you're going to pull out a little more of the saltiness in the beer that's just slightly detectable. Uh, And I don't know that you want that. So, yeah. Um, I was going lemon zest. And the reason is I wanted to pull a little bit of that rind to, like, balance. There's, like, a little bit of sweetness on the flower. Oh, there's a lot of sweetness on that flower. And so I figured something a little bit bitter. And then I talked about on the interview about the hops. So if you went like a citrus hop instead of a lemon zest or lime zest, uh, like a real citrusy hop might be able to do it too. Because this is low hop. I think you need to go the other direction. You need more flowers? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I think what you need to do is you need to find a super, super bitter hop and throw it in late stage. Oh. Will? To... I, I think more hops. <laughs> I think... I, I, I actually... I like what I'm, what I'm tasting here. I think with more hops, I think if this was more... I mean, I love IPAs, so I think if this was an IPA, I think... I think it would be great. Yeah. I think uh, the flowers on it are interesting, right? But it's just kind of naked without something else. And I agree. I think more hops 
I was thinking that with the lemon and the lime, but... I think you need to keep the lemon-lime out for a second until you figure out the hop side. Yeah. Um, so, Will, are, are you thinking early stage or late stage hop at? Uh, no, you, you, I think late for sure. Yeah, I'm this definitely is, with uh, you on that one. Yeah, you've got everything on the front end that you need, so... <laughs> So we have that late stage. So we have one listener out there, Michael, that's like, dude, I want a, I want a can of that. So listeners, if you want a can, let me know. I've got a lot of cans. <laughs> <laughs> but we may uh, we God, may be that's fruity. <laughs> fruity floral. Why floral would you say floral. that after I like said, Hey, I'm giving a free can? <laughs> <laughs> no, so if you want a can, hit me up. I pretty much give you a can um and then we'll go around two so after we canned this will then i went over to the fermenter and the fermenter um i dropped in the pineapple puree that i got from the oregon fruit company and the pineapple puree jumped into the secondary which is my stainless steel fermenter now he's doing a kolsch and it is, and it dropped. It went from uh, 1.0188 up to 1.024, so it raised me up a little bit. Yeah, so your, I, your addition of sugar. So yeah. I need to jump down to 0. 0.13013, which is my f- target finish. So we'll see how that goes over the next couple days. I was a bit concerned over the last couple days, though, because I thought my specific gravity was stuck at 21. Yeah. And it dropped over last night, so we're good. Eh, give it time. <clears throat> give it time, my friend. And you know what? When all else fails, turn up the heat. Time is like the secret recipe in beer. Really? Yeah. I didn't think that was a secret recipe. Well, most people don't give it time. <laughs> really? Yeah, they rush it. Rush it? <laughs> the Russians are colluding in my beer. <laughs> Fish in a line. Oh, you bastard. Yeah. So uh, tell us about your beer, Gary. Well, the one I'm <laughs> currently drinking, this, this bouquet of flowers, or the one that I just brewed. I call this cemetery beer. Yeah. <laughs> Pushing up daisies. <laughs> Um, no, I just actually did a, uh, what the hell did I do? Oh, I did a white stout. And starting Tuesday will be the full two weeks. Uh, you and I still have to roast the coffee. Tonight. To to do the addition of that. Um, and then I'm just going to keg it. Um, I figured kegging is going to be the best bet for this beer. Because my neighborhood has slowly started popping up little six-person, six-foot spaced parties at their their places. And it's rotating houses. So I'm figuring by the time it hits my house, I'll have a keg of beer. Well, I expect a glass. Oh, you'll get more than that. And you need to down that goddamn flower beer real quick because I need your glass. No, fuck no. No, shoot the glass. No. (laughs) Shoot the flower. Hey, hey, I'm going to do one of those. I'm going to do one of those in the the movies freaking things where they just throw it over their shoulder. No, you're not doing that. (laughs) 
This is Debbie's office. This is now we're going. This used to be our recording studio, but now it's Debbie's home office. All right. So what do we've got here? Is beer number six from <laughs> Uptown Brewing's mystery beer dark beer set. Tastes, tastes kind of flat. What? Yeah. Well, you got you got to remember. I I just, <laughs> I just drink your overcarbonated oval floral. Punch you in the face, saffron ale. Um, Any okay. ideas on who it's from? Will? Are they only from Oregon? Yeah, from all these. From all these are from Oregon. At least this one's yeah. from Oregon. So this is a dark beer number six from Uptown Brewing's Mystery Beer Flight. Everybody's brewing. I'm getting a lot of coffee oh. notes on that. And this is the Pitter Patter Porter. <laughs> Pitter Patter Porter from Uptown Brewing. Yeah, it doesn't even have much of a head retention to it. No, and it is a little bit flat. A little so. flat too, yeah. Very but good. I don't know if that's the style and what they're kind of were going for. Yeah, but. I don't know either. Because it was just canned. I mean, I don't know when it was canned. But right? I'm not slamming it. No. <laughs> Will, what do you think? It's good. It's good. good? Yeah, yeah. A, little, a little flat. Could be from the short cans. Could be. Could be. All right, number five. Nothing like a dwarf can. What, I gotta slam this? Jesus. Nancy's back here <laughs> sipping, his, with you sipping his flower beer again. Hey, <laughs> hey, fuck you guys. I don't get to condition during the week like you guys do. Really? No. You're not just day drinking? <laughs> no, <I don't> <laughs> yeah, that'd look real good. Hey, Gary, you shot a guy tonight. Uh, let's do your blood alcohol content. Oh, my God, you're at like 6.0. What happened there? Oh, no, I just had a beer. Just a beer. All right. Beer number five. Uptown Brewing's Mystery Dark oh, Beer Flight. God. That's probably a stout. Will? I would guess a stout. Any ideas on who it's from? Yeah. That's a lager yeast. It's got a definite smokiness to it, right on the end. I got no guesses. <laughs> on this. We've there's had some, a lot of beer up to this point. Some taste in the middle. Uh, I get the smokiness, but there's something in the middle that's not off-putting, but just it ain't right. Yeah, it's, yeah, I'm it's with there. you on that. So this is a little beast's quiet storm. Little Beast? You yeah. heard of Little Beast? Yeah, we've heard I of don't know beast. the Beast. Yeah, That's what uh, Gary calls what's in his pants. Little <laughs> Beast. What? <laughs> 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 no? no? Is that wrong? No, yeah, silence is everything. Yeah, silence no, is no. beautiful. <laughs> the beauty of it is, it is the Beast. Are you looking it up, Will? Little Beast. Not Gary. <laughs> yeah, no, just checking out Little Beast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you type that into your, your browser, you're going to get me. <laughs> There's Gary. Yikes. It's Johnny. <laughs> Here's Johnny. What do you see? What is it with that smoky peatiness? I was trying to look it up. Because there's just something. Yeah, there's I some can't smoke put my feet. finger on it. There's something off about that middle <clears throat> section of that beer. Okay. All right. Here, kids, we'll be back shortly after sure. Gary goes and drains his little beast. Shortly after the little beast returns. This beer, number four out of the Uptown Mystery Beer. It smells like a giant. Dark beer. Pterodactyl fart. Nope, it does not. <laughs> this beer smells like heaven. This is dark. 
You cannot see through this. That's how Gary likes them dark. Motherfucker. <laughs> that tastes an awful lot like an abyss. <laughs> no, it's not abyss. Think Tom's Pancake House. Why would I want to think Tom's Pancake House? Because Tom's Pancake House is like this beer. Never been there. What? There's a lot of syrupy flavor to that, though. <laughs> That's got to be a stout, right? It is a stout, and it's probably like a maple something. This is Berlick's Pancake House Stout. Maple syrup? Yeah, I'm definitely Anybody? tasting that. Yeah, that. yeah. Get that. You get a little bit of grain maltiness out of that? A lot of that. Yeah? Berlick, what are you doing making Tom's Pancake House? Yeah, you need to keep those pancakes out of the beer. <laughs> <laughs> they just whip up a batch, throw them in there, call it good. That uh, is number three. Any ideas? <laughs> no. no. I'm just, I'm just going to stand here and look at it. So this is out of our friends that make the uh, world's most interesting beer. No, oh, of course. Dos Equis. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're wrong. <laughs> They make the world's most interesting lager. Yeah, they're down. Uh, they're downtown Beaverton, and uh, among other places. But yes, absolutely. We went there and had Detroit-style pizza. Yeah. World's most interesting lager, which is fantastic. Ex novo, alphabetical porter. Alphabetical porter. Yeah. A B C D E F G H O J K L M N O P Q R S T U V W X Y Z. Okay. Yeah. Porter. Sure. It's your story. <laughs> Alright, you blimey oh, bastards. Jesus. Number two. Out of control. Oh, for the guess. She just sprayed <laughs> all right, over your up down. Dude, you don't need to fill the things all the way up to the top. I've sprayed myself in the face five times. I've only opened four beers. <laughs> maybe maybe you gotta loosen your grip. Oh my lord. <laughs> Look at this. The beer's like overflowing from the can. Like I've literally. Oh, do you see this? Nope, not seeing it. Debbie's gonna love working up here tomorrow. Yeah, it's gonna oh. smell like it's gonna smell like a brewery. Why am I the only one with glass that's in here? I don't know. There's Will. I'm half full. Will you ask? I had a beer bath already. <laughs> what the fuck, <laughs> you dirty fucker! I gave you an empty glass. Fill it. So this uh, beer is interesting. In that I'm not drinking it. Interesting beer in that uh, brewery that we really haven't talked about, but I, I'm not so sure if we'll run into them in that deck. Um, but a brewery that I want to go visit. So, Huh. How are you going to squeeze that in? Um, definitely a different approach to a beer. 2022? To a, to a You're not yes. getting my glass until I'm getting goddamn ready. <laughs> no. Shoot it, baby. It's not happening. Shoot it. Am I am I tasting mine? This is is this Gary's? No, fuck no. We have one more saffron ale to go. <laughs> Damn. I'm walking home tonight. Nope. Yep. Driving. Nope, I refuse to Uber. <laughs> Sixty five miles an hour. <laughs> Ninety. Why are you going so slow? So Brewery twenty six. It's got a good. It's got a good floral to it. Oatmeal chocolate chip. 
Ooh. Yeah. It's a cookie. Yeah, it's such a cookie like porter stout. Are you getting that out of it, Will? I get. I'm getting something. I'm going porter on that. Are you? Yeah. I get something sour almost. I feel like I taste a little bit. I'm almost tasting that same thing. Right at the end? Yeah, it's not overly sweet like some of these other ones. I just did a swish to clear all the the flavor out of all the other beers, and I got that sourness right at the end of it. Yeah. Really? So either it's contaminated, or, or maybe it's, on it's purpose. not. Maybe it's just not overly sweet. Or it's on purpose. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's overly sweet. There's a sourness on the backside. It does taste kind of like cookie dough, though. If I brewed that, I'd be like. There's a weird sourness on the back side of that. Yeah. Right? All three of us picked up on a weird sourness on the back. No. But, I mean, if that's what you're aiming for, I mean, which really speaks to the brewing aspect, right? Sour right? cookie dough? Yeah, sour <laughs> cookie dough. Like, if you really want to brew sour cookie dough. That's it. In a glass. Then that's it. Yeah. It is there. You nailed ding, it. Ding, 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 ding. Um, no, I mean, I think is It's not like, bad. I wouldn't have said cookie dough. Just I would not. Just tasting but it's like an oatmeal mash. Well, now that's think sour. about think about that right in the middle, just before you hit that sour taste. And if you've ever eaten like chocolate chip cookie dough, think of that flavor. I've never eaten chocolate chip cookie dough. Maybe the like the bittersweet chocolate yeah. taste. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll take that. And, and then you get that little tinge of sourness right on the end. Really? Of course, Jason's saying really. The antagonist. No. Taking pictures of the beer, baby. The, the man that's never eaten raw cookie dough. Give he, me the shits. He, <laughs> he just eats the raw cookie. You say that like it's bad. It's the same fucking thing. <laughs> no. Cookies cookies different than cookie dough. Not if it's pre-cooked. No. Oh shit. Here we go. Are you done? <laughs> no. Fuck no. I'm in the same goddamn spot I am every time you cocksuckers are ahead of me. Look at Will. This Will. Is Will. Hey, Will's had a lot of lot of like conference calls in the last week. I've, I've had a lot of drinking time. Yeah. So he, Number one. He's up on it. I'm not going to let this one hit me in the face. I love these six ounce cans, That's what she said. Way. I don't. Look. <laughs> That's every <absurd>. time. <laughs> He either gets it in the face or it's in his hands. In grade school, there's a kid named it's Kevin. always in my hands. A kid named Kevin always came to school with these little cans, so we called those short ones Kevy Colas. <laughs> hey, Kevy. Kevy Cola, baby. Kevy Colas. Once you hear it, you can't oh, hear it. No, it's always going to be awesome. a Kevy Cola. Every time I look at one of them short cans now, I'm going to think, yeah, that's a Kevy Cola. Yep. That's badass. Kevin didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. Now he's famous. <laughs> All right, number one. Any ideas who the brewer is? No clue. They make these rad video game type like uh, deals. It's all like 80s based video games. I can see their label, but I still don't know who they are. Level Beer Company, right? This one, Chocolate Dynamite. It's not exploding. <laughs> what do you think of Chocolate Dynamite? It's good. What? <laughs> It's good. <laughs> Gary? 
Gary's unconscious. You know, maybe if I would have started with that beer, it would be good. <laughs> like before the vaporizer? Or... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, but like now, it, it after all the dark beers I've tasted tonight, it, yeah. it just tastes bland. Hey, who did you get when he drew a card? Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> that three of diamonds, bitch. Thunder Island Brewery. Yeah, Every time you say the name, I want to hear the song. Down on Thunder Island. Island. <laughs> 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 it's weird, because I always think about Thunder from Down Under. In <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the only guy in the room that went there was Jason. The only guy. It's weird. I don't know why. <laughs> wow. I'm just saying. I'm comfortable. <laughs> the sad thing is... You he's, thought of it too? No. Is <laughs> he's married to you as a kid? Is it a cover? Is it a cover? Um, I think that's it, buddy. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. Will, thanks for being on the air with us. Hey, um, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate that was it. Great yeah, Matt Swihart, uh, thanks for the interview. Fantastic. Timothy, um, as always, you've been fantastic. Um, Thanks for the three questions, even though I gave you one. One. Asshole. <laughs> one. So, that's the way it goes. This one went a little long with beer tastings and less content, but we thank you for listening to the Portland Timbers podcast. What do you mean, less content? It's amazing. Yeah, it's fantastic. Absolutely. <laughs> listening to us drink beer. Fantastic. So uh, next week, we will see what we do. I'm guessing we will have an interview with uh, some fantastic brewery. Yeah, Thunder Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck Th- you. Thunder from Down Under. <laughs> I will try Down and get that. Thunder Island. <laughs> Gary, if you need me to call him and set up the hey, interview, I can do that. Let's so. do that right now. <laughs> Asshole. Um, and we're still waiting on you, Pelican. Uh, Gary. Hey. <laughs> I thought we came to the conclusion that we were going to do Pelican as an actual visitation when we could ski the dune. No, we are. But it didn't mean that you didn't get a call back from them. Oh, ain't that a bitch. Do you need me to call them? No, no. Just give me the contact (laughs) name. (laughs) All right. You hoarder. (laughs) All right. With that, uh, huge thanks again. Double Mountain, you guys kick ass. Matt, you're awesome. Yeah, Matt, absolutely awesome. Gary, stay COVID free. <laughs> Will, drink more beer. Cheers. Tim, get laid. And Jason, stay <laughs> off the air. And Jason, always <laughs> stay off the air and make more floral beer. Tim beers. Tim beers. Tim beers.